When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and may I say, Shabbat Shalom. And I'm Avsedensky, and my mother threw me against a brick wall when I was a baby, but I didn't get hurt at all. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 2, Episode 10, the second season finale called The Massage, which originally aired on November 25th, 2001. You know, Larry was well ahead of his time talking about the, uh, the, the controversy surrounding the happy ending of massages, which obviously broke into the news much more significantly more recently when the... Uh, owner of the New England Patriots, was uh, found to have engaged in the same behavior. Yeah, um, Robert Kraft is a a dirty man, (laughs) and he runs a dirty franchise. It starts (laughs) at the top. Um, and we just we see the kind of uh, shenanigans that that franchise has gotten into one year after another. It's just always (laughs) something else. So this is in the same category for you? Yeah. Although I think Kraft was sort of, in the end, other than all the jokes, obviously, I think he was sort of absolved of, of doing anything other, you know. Wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that. I, all I remember is that he was yeah. arrested and it was very embarrassing. And if, you, yeah. if, he, if, was, if he was eventually proven to be innocent, that's not relevant. All right. Let's uh, jump right into the recap, why don't we? Yeah, sure. So we are uh, we're at some sort of business meeting. We see that uh, Jeff is there with Larry, and uh, Julia's there with her agent as well. And Julia's just like, you know what? I don't want to do the show anymore. I'm not excited about it anymore. And Jeff is surprised because he says, you know, it's such a great idea. But Julia and Fran, they say, you know, it's just not about that anymore. Larry has just been such a fiasco from the start, and frankly, we're exhausted, which is fair. Um, yes. De- dealing with Larry can be very exhausting. Yes, you know, Fran says, you know, just like trouble seems to just follow you everywhere. Jeff steps in, he defends Larry, he says, you know, it's really not Larry's fault. He's just a victim of circumstance. <laughs> um, and you know what? They kind of like, they, they can rally, they rally their spirits enough. They, uh, they say, we're going to give it one last shot, uh, maybe at CBS. And you know, Larry says, you know what? I'll do all the work. I'll do the pitch. Julia, you, you know, you don't have to say a word. Just show up, be in the room. But like, you know, just leave it to me. I'm going to handle this, uh, this pitch meeting. Yeah, Larry's finally starting to take things seriously. That's right. So um, we see Jeff and Larry walking, and Larry makes a comment that he was a little that he thought that whole situation was a little dicey. But Jeff says he knew that they had them the whole time, um, and they just happened to pass by ma- a man. He's wearing uh, what looks like to be a sandwich board that reads, "I am a shoplifter." And Jeff says, "Oh, you know, I actually read about this in the newspaper, and it's called Scarlet Letter Punishment." They then pass a guy who say, says, you know, quickly says like he's saying hi to uh, Larry and Jeff. 
Um, Larry kind of makes eye contact with him but passes him. Jeff says, oh, did you know that guy? He says, yeah, I think he works at the restaurant at the W Hotel where you're staying. And I recognized him, but I didn't want to say hello because it looked like he, this guy wanted to do a stop and chat, and I didn't want to do a stop and chat. Yeah, I'm fully on board with Larry. I'm against the stop and chat. Uh, what's your take on the stop and chat? Not a fan of the stop and chat. I'm not a fan yeah. of small talk. I, I I can't come up with things like random things to say. I don't want to ask you like how your weekend was if I'm not friends with you. Yeah. Um, it's just like not something that I'm good at. It's you know it's a good skill to have. I think people who have that skill are probably usually pretty successful because you're able to just like stir up conversations. But it's not my thing, and it's just uncomfortable. I actually I, I define whether I can be friends with someone on Facebook or not by. If I pass you on the sidewalk, would we do a stop and chat? Like if we would just nod and say hello and keep going, then we're not friends. We just know each other. And in that case, I, we can't be Facebook friends. And occasionally, I mean now I'm not going to waste my time doing this, but occasionally if I see someone in my Facebook feed who I'm like, why is this person here? Like if they post something, then I'll unfriend them. I'm like if I, if I walk past you on the sidewalk and wouldn't stop and chat, then we can't be friends on Facebook. Yeah, I That's always think policy. though it's like so interesting the how the context of where you see someone makes us a big difference. So someone that you would pass on the street like in your neighborhood and you would just pass them. But like if you saw them in Florida, you'd be like, yeah. oh, how are you? What are you doing here? You'd, like, you talk to them for 20 yeah. minutes. And if you yeah. saw them in Israel, like you would like go for dinner with them. Well, that's the whole thing of when you see somebody – or when you're in the same town as somebody, even if you're not going to see them, you have to call them. And that's such an anachronism from the era of long-distance phone calls. Right. Like, I can call you from uh, New York the same way I can call you from China or Japan or Israel <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, if I'm in the same place, if we're not going to see each other, I don't have an obligation to call you and chat. Yeah, no, yeah. It's obviously ridiculous. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's... Um, by the way, Rick, uh, this guy, if he is the, the maitre d' or the host or whatever he is at the restaurant at the W Hotel where Jeff is staying, then presumably Jeff eats there much more frequently than Larry. And presumably he should know Jeff, not Larry. Yeah, well, why is Larry the one he's trying to say hi to? Yeah, well, it looked like he was saying hi to both of them, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the, well, but Jeff says, "Who is that?" And Larry's the one who knows. Yeah, and yeah Jeff's yeah. job is to know people. You know, Larry's sort of a famous misanthrope. By the way, this Rick also he has a real Milton Berle thing going on, doesn't he? Oh, interesting. I didn't think of that. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll get into Rick. Rick is uh, yes. Rick is something. Rick. Rick will come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, as Larry Men talks about the stop and chat, Jeff really wonders, you know, where do you get all these sayings and these rules? <laughs> and all you do is just say a quick hi, how are you? And like instead, now you had like this incident. Yeah, um, he's yeah. not wrong. This is I, this is like a very uh, broad episode of Curb, I would say. It gets into a lot of like the fundamental things of what we've been talking. Well, it's about. a season finale, so they have yeah, to no, sort of yeah, wrap make, stuff yeah, up. Yeah, it makes sense. It's a it's a chickens coming home to roost type situation. Yeah. Um, so we're back at home, and Cheryl is stuffing envelopes with Wanda. She asks Larry if they want to help. He obviously says no. Um, I once worked as like an intern in like a senator's office, and like half of what I had to do was stuffing envelopes. It's like yeah, the worst. I thing remember that job well. Yeah, it was. It's. It was like all I did. It was horrible. Um, anyway, um, Cheryl says she's going to see Kim. Wanda asks Kim nails or Kim psychic. Um, Larry notes that the last time she went to the psychic, um, she was actually dead on because she said Larry would get a hole in one in golf and that he actually did. She also predicted Larry would have a bad time in Hawaii, but Wanda and Cheryl agree that that's not that impressive because only Larry could have a bad time in Hawaii and anyone really could have predicted that. Um, so I guess we see why I would think it was last week when Larry was wondering why Hawaii is even part of the United yeah. States. It's obviously he yeah. doesn't have, you know, a fond relationship with Hawaii like most yeah. people who've been to Hawaii do. Yeah, but 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 last week, we um, you mentioned I think of how wonderful Hawaii is. Yeah, I think I don't can't imagine somebody going there not thinking it's wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know my issue is Larry really seems in the scene and throughout the episode to believe in psychics. Yeah, and psychics seem like the kind of like bullshit that Larry would ordinarily reject. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because she predicted the hole in one. Like that's a that's a pretty bold prediction to get right. Although, you know, I, you know, I, I've yeah, seen enough like of these psychics at work like, if that... If you don't believe in psychics, you don't believe in psychics. Them predicting one of thing... Of course. Be, well, yeah. yeah, but you know how people could be. Yeah. All right. Um, not smart is how people could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Cheryl also notes that she predicted that her friend Carrie would have a baby. And I guess then she did. Um, yeah. I mean, so it's like what these psychics do is they, like, predict things that, like, are vague enough and then something like it happens and you think they're right. Um, you have a friend. The name starts with the letter M. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Wanda <laughs> Wanda likes that she doesn't hold back with her psychic uh, predictions. She tells it like it is. Even if she has bad news, she'll tell it to you. Some psychics, they'll see the bad news, but they don't want to get you upset, so they don't tell it to you. But <laughs> this psychic is a good psychic. She doesn't sugarcoat it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Larry and Jeff are playing golf, and um, they see that the, the players in front of them are like moving really slowly. They're like lining up every putt a bunch of times. Larry and Jeff are getting really frustrated. Uh, Jeff thinks Larry's too tense, and he's going to send him to uh, a masseuse if he ha- that he has that's really good. And Larry shouldn't worry; it's his treat. And finally, it's Larry's turn, and he hits a bad shot, presumably because of his uh, over tightness. So we're uh, at the massage parlor, or I don't know where we are, but he's getting the massage. Uh, she's working on – this is actually – this is um, Andrea Wyatt from the West Wing, played by the great – Is the masseuse? Yeah, played by the great Kathleen York. Uh, okay. Yeah. By the way, I'm not, I'm not a golfer, so you know the, the being behind the slow group didn't really you know, affect me in that sense. But I have played putt-putt behind slow groups, and I'm just confused. Like, like who cares? Like, what's Larry in a rush for? Where is he going? Yeah, he's hanging I, out. Yeah, I guess, but I guess I could see like, like when you're run like, home to Cheryl. When you're like, I mean, like maybe like you're he has a good momentum going and he wants to do the next hole. You know, he like if yeah. you're in a game and like you like, what if you're like out playing pickup ball and like you have to wait thirty minutes to like play the next game? Even if you're hanging out with your friends, you want to play. Yeah, but playing basketball, I feel, is more about playing basketball, whereas golfing is. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe mean, Larry's I, a very serious golfer. Yeah, I think people who like golf yeah. like like to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can we talk about the massage and the happy endings? By the way. Uh, sure. So, you know, it, this was a, a hot topic uh, in some of my, like, group chats after the Robert Kraft story broke. Um, you know, it, and, I, and I was actually – so, you know, I can tell tales out of school. It's not out of school. I've never done anything like this. But my, my wife has openly said to me she wouldn't care if I did. She's like, if it's purely, like, a transactional thing and, like, you never see the person ever again and there's no, like, emotional reaction, she didn't seem to really care. Um, but Larry, who, you know, his wife will famously give him a hall pass on his 10th anniversary. <laughs> I'm surprised that he thinks that Cheryl would be so deeply opposed to it. Um, you know, you should probably speak to her about it beforehand. But what's weirder to me is how, like, so, oh, so when this was brought up in my group chats at the time, like, in a huge number of my friends and people I knew seemed to, like, do this all the time and say it was very normal. Like, one of my friends claimed that he knew more people who did this than smoke marijuana, which I strongly disagree with because... Until that conversation, I didn't know anybody who did this. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure how commonplace it is or, if, you know, people – more people weren't saying that they were doing it. They were saying that they know so many other people who do it. So I'm not sure how commonplace it is. But to me, what's weird is in this episode, Larry's reaction is going to be as if it's, like, insanely inappropriate. Like, uh, we haven't got the scene yet. But when he storms into Jeff's office and, like, he attacks Jeff, like, how dare you? Now, maybe it's also a 2001 versus Yeah, the, I think uh, it's 2000. a 2001 and also, like, a man in his like, – in a middle-aged guy in 2001 – 
and you're comparing. Well, I assume it's mostly middle-aged guys who are doing this now. I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I, I don't really know much about it. Um, I don't even know this whole group of people that you that you know that are. Well, gonna, I can tell you off the air. Though. Yeah, we're going to have to find out some more about this. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't No one in my, in my life I was has shocked, ever told I was me that they hear, do this th- with any During the craft thing, I remember so many of my friends saying, yeah, it's totally normal. And I was like, what? It really shocked me. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying that I have I have any objection to anybody, you know, doing whatever they want. It's more like I didn't know that this was something that a lot of people did. So I'm curious to hear. Well, I mean, I've gotten many massages. Not many. I've gotten massages before. You know, yeah. maybe I don't, I don't like, like massages. 10, I've gotten oh, like so three I or love four massages, in my life. but it's never. I mean, like I, I thought that that kind of thing happens at a specific kind of location, not at just like every right. Like, if you're at a spa, I thought that doesn't happen. They have to go to like certain kinds of places. Right. Well, my um, my my insight on massage is that it's like if you imagine a guy who's like the first time he goes to a massage, he goes to like some like fifteen dollar Korean massage, and he gets a happy ending, and then yeah. he's like, you know, he's at a resort, and he's like, oh my god, this the massages here are three hundred dollars. What yeah. what's going on at this place? And yeah. then he's going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I, if, yeah, if that's the result you're looking for, sure. Yeah, it's like the less also, massages aren't usually in my limited experience. They're not usually like erotic as much as like you know it's like it's muscles and yeah i don't know yeah well you know so if you know if if, so, if, a, if an attractive person is touching you it could yeah cause with, the with, right, with red uh, hair and a star tattoo yes exactly. well I, george was very concerned that he thought it might move yeah it so. might move exactly yeah um anyway so she's working on a tough spot she's not making any progress she suggests that maybe his body has a memory of a traumatic event that is causing this pain and larry very bizarrely notes that his mother threw him against a brick wall when he was a baby but he didn't get hurt and uh, the woman asked Larry if she ever if he ever spoke to his mom about this, and he says yes, but she said that I was a little prick, and basically I guess he deserved it. Um, she then asks Larry if she wants if he wants her to finish him off, and he says okay, like seemingly not really knowing what this means, but you know, being finished off sounds good. Um, and she starts to um, give him a hand job. He simultaneously seems to enjoy this, but he's also feeling guilty as if it's wrong. And he starts like gasping, trying to tell her to stop. And he finally is able to vocalize the word stop. And she finally hears him and she stops. It shouldn't have been that hard to say the word stop. Like, well, there, when, there's, there's no hand job in the world that's so incredible that you literally can't talk. I guess. Well, he was, I think he's also just like very taken by surprise. Like, yeah. He was just like in a very like so. relaxed mood, like yeah. getting a massage, like with his eyes closed probably. Then all yeah. of a sudden, and he's like, ah, what? And like he's confused about what to do because on the one hand, yes, but on the other, on the other hand, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, uh, if you're in a circumstance uh, like Larry where unsolicited that begins to happen and then you stop it. So you didn't ask for it. You didn't know it was coming. Once it starts, you actually stop it in the middle mid after nine pumps or 12 pumps or whatever it is as, as he counts. What's your position? Should you tell the wife or should you not tell the wife? I say for sure you should. You are a hero. You for sure should tell the wife. Yeah. You did nothing wrong. On the contrary, you did something which the overwhelming majority of men would not be able to do, I believe. Yeah, and that's – I mean Jeff tells him this right away. Yeah. Now, Jeff, Jeff, not always uh, the best husband or the best judge yeah. of what wives are okay with, of course. Yeah, but, but I mean, this is like we, we raise this a lot with Larry, I think, that yeah. he would he'd be better off by just being honest. And it's like because yeah. he turns it into like a ridiculous hijinks is what, what yeah. gets them in trouble. Yeah, but again, so the next scene, he storms into Jeff's office and he just goes on a rant against him. <laughs> yeah, he walks in. He's like yelling at him. Jeff is meeting with uh, this guy, Mike Binder. Yeah. Um, he wants Jeff to help him get Sarah Jessica. the least famous person to play himself, uh, not including the uh, the original, the episode zero? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's been a bunch of other random, it's like the waiter is named Brian Mitchell and that's also the actor's name. Like, I think we've had a few of those still. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, um, so he wants to get uh, Jeff to get Je- Sarah Jessica Parker on his show. Um, Larry storms in. He says Jeff is nuts. Mike says maybe I should step out. This is getting personal. Larry, but Larry is so certain that what he's going to say is so outrageous 
that Mike must hear this too. Yeah. Um, he yells. I'm just Jeff. happy for uh, Jeff that he has another client, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's starting. Yeah, maybe he's starting to make some money. Um, and he yells at Jeff, "You sent me to this massage place where they, you know, they're gonna try to give me a happy ending." Um, Mike starts wondering, "Oh, is this like shtick? Because I have a show where there's a character on it um, who happens to this exact thing happens to." Um, so it's interesting. I looked this up. So this guy, Mike Binder, he had a show on HBO called "The Mind of the Married Man." Oh, I remember that show. Wasn't it David Duchovny also? I don't remember. I didn't look that that much. But anyway, so Larry was going to have this whole storyline about the masseuse and the handjob. And he found out that like right around that time or it it had just aired an episode of this show that was like really similar. And they thought it would be weird for them to do like a storyline that was so similar to another show on HBO that had just happened that they decided to just like let's just like build that into the show and address it and just make it fun. All right. so yeah, so Larry's like, oh, I didn't even know that, and Mike is annoyed, because this obviously means uh, that Larry doesn't watch the show. Yeah. But Mike is very funny about it, I think. Yeah, no, he has a, he has a good uh, good attitude about it. Yeah. He's so, annoyed, but he's like, you know, it's fine. So Jeff asks Larry, well, did you at least enjoy it? And Larry says, no, I stopped in the middle, which Jeff is obviously completely shocked by. Jeff, a total yeah. uh, horned dog and philanderer, so he's like, what, what do you mean you stopped? Larry explains, after 12 pumps, he stopped. Uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff says, oh, that's probably why you're still so uptight. I mean, I imagine so. Jeff and Mike are, like, really amazed that Larry was able to stop mid-pump. Mike says he should go home and brag to his wife and show him, show her how much he loves her, but Larry insists he will never tell. Big mistake. Yeah. Just be honest. He didn't do anything wrong. It's a funny story. Yeah. It's it's very strange how Larry feels so guilty about this. Yeah. Um... All of a sudden, Larry remembers the psychic, and he's worried the psychic is going to know, and he's going to tell Cheryl. And the best part about this is that Jeff agrees. He says, yes, you must go stop her from seeing the psychic. (laughs) They both agree, yes, this is the only path forward here, is we must stop this meeting with the psychic, because then Cheryl will find out about the non-existent Cheryl. Although, I guess, you know, turns out they were right. Yeah, I Um, guess so. I think she's a very good psychic. This episode is very pro-psychic. Larry leaves and uh, he tells Jeff that – he tells – sorry. Larry leaves and Jeff tells Mike that the masseuse is great and he asks Mike if he wants to know her. Mike's like, yeah. Of course. Uh, He says absolutely. So I guess this is very prevalent. Two out of three uh, men frequent uh, happy at the massage. Uh, I guess so, yeah. (laughs) And one is like horrified and naive about it. It it just doesn't seem – it doesn't seem that appealing to me. I don't know. Yeah, Again, I, I, it depends what. She, and uh, it seems like a whole ordeal. I have to like go to some place and like I have to get completely naked and stand in a, and like first thing I have to go through would be a whole massage that I don't want just to get a hand <laughs> well, job. Like it's it seems like a bit much. Yeah, hand jobs are very like you know. Yeah, very attainable. If a twelve year old can do it to himself, yeah, <laughs> that's it's not. Yeah, that, yeah, you don't exactly. have to pay for it. Correct. And it, I don't even mind the paying. It's like you have to schlep somewhere. It's, I guess you have to go to Chinatown or Koreatown to these like places. Yeah, I don't know. Not for me. Too much work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Larry arrives home, and like you could see Cheryl's already. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm uh, stumbling here. No, Larry comes home. Though. Okay. He has, she yeah, hasn't been to the second yet. He's, he's trying to prevent place. her from going. Yeah, I'm in the wrong place. Okay. And by the way, last week I mentioned Larry's poor understanding of consent when he tried to force Cheryl to talk to Richard on the phone. Yeah. This week it gets much worse. Yeah, we're about to. Uh, yeah. yeah um, so Larry arrives home and Cheryl asks how the massage was, and he said, "You know, he's uncomfortable. He says it was it was good." Cheryl says she made great plans for them for tonight. They want to celebrate the CBS deal. They're going to take a limo to the W Hotel for dinner, and maybe if things go well, they can stay the night. 
Um, Larry's feeling a little bit unsure about it. He's, he starts making up excuses. He doesn't really want to do this. Uh, he saw the manager, and he didn't do the stop and shot, and now it's going to be awkward to go there. Cheryl asks why he didn't do it. it turns he's, out he's right, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and he explains that he just hates those horrible stop and shots. They're so weird. Um, Larry then protests, you know, actually, you know, we really should be going to celebrate. The CBS deal isn't even done. We still have the meeting today. But Cheryl basically says, yeah, it's as good as done. Um, yeah, do you not know Larry question, David? Yeah, has Cheryl been watching this season of Curb? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's sabotaged every deal so far. Yeah. In increasingly ridiculous fashion. Her, her confidence is not justified. Yeah. So um, Cheryl notes anyway, you know, I'm running late for my psychic appointment. And she starts mm-hmm. heading out. Larry tries to prevent her by offering to fool around instead. Why she, Why yeah. he thinks this is going to be an appealing <laughs> offer, I do not know. Well, uh, she did she, say she wants to spend the night in a hotel. So. Yeah, but she doesn't seem like a type that's like, oh, I have an appointment. Oh, but I could tempt you with sex to like miss yeah. your. Uh... I mean, sex with Larry David. What an opportunity. <laughs> exactly. Um, Cheryl says no. Um, Larry proceeds to try to forcibly restrain her, almost throwing her onto the bed. This is a very, yeah, this is a very disturbing scene. Uh, yeah. Before Although, she finally to, escapes. To be fair to Larry, she is taking it sort of like yeah, she's, she's sort of laughing. She's laughing way. through it. Yeah, she's in good spirits. She's not. And we did have during the previous episode where he, like they do have a thing apparently where he pretends to abuse her. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird fetish. Role <laughs> the common thing. thing that all couples do. Yeah, totally pretend, normal. Pretend that the husband yeah. is physically abusive. When Jen beats me, it's yeah. all real. Yeah. <laughs> did I get too serious? You're suddenly silent. Yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> Um, anyway, so Larry makes a final last-ditch effort that he has a lump, and he's afraid the psychic will say that he is dying. Um, yeah. Which, if which anything, reminds me, did he ever get that spot checked out from the Shack episode? Yeah, probably not. That's probably the spot. Um, yeah. yeah, so she, he does have a lump. I guess, but if if he does have a lump, then he should want the psychic yeah. to tell him if he's dying, so he can do something. If he about believes it. the psychic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Larry is very, I guess, consistent on the point of like not wanting to get bad news, even yeah, if so. even if it will be helpful bad news. Yeah. So we're at the uh, CBS meeting, and what we quickly learn is that Larry's just kind of like sitting there because uh, he's in a funk, and Julia's doing the entire pitch on her own. And one of the CBS guys, it looks like an orange-haired Matt Damon, doesn't yes, he? Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 he looked like a combo of uh, Matt Damon and Jesse Plemons. Who, I mean, they both kind of yeah. look alike, which is one was kind of like a fatter version of the other. But yeah, uh, but then like once you turn his face, you're like, oh, no, that's not Matt Damon or Jesse Plemons. It's some other yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the uh, the executives love the idea, um, but like everyone's very frustrated by the fact that Larry's being so quiet and not talking. Julia's explaining how you know it could be so hard to be a typecast actor. She starts telling this story about skiing with her family in Jackson Hole, but as she's telling the story, Larry starts drifting off, and he he has a daydream about Cheryl <laughs> at the uh, Korean psychic, and he's te- she's telling Cheryl that she sees her husband getting a happy ending massage where the masseuse pumped thirty two times. Well, no, no, but doesn't he, he says he has sex with her hand. Like, she uses Oh, yes, sex. yes. He's very yeah. graphic, right, yes. By the way, this psychic in Larry's imagination is the Korean woman that Frank Costanza had an affair with in Seinfeld. Is it literally the same woman? Yeah, it's the same actress. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, they, she, I, I thought I actually thought that she looked really familiar. Maybe it was her. Yeah. I didn't look it up. That's funny. Um... Anyway, he. Uh, it's he, funny, of course, and they'll make reference to this later. That Jerry, that Larry, for no reason, just assumes the psychic is Korean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he, yeah, he uh, he drifts back in uh, from into reality, and Julia asks Larry if she, if he agrees that that's a good example that she just shared, and he says yes, and he immediately starts introducing the same story about Julia going skiing, and everyone's like, yeah, we she just told that. What are you doing? Uh, and he's obviously just like not on his game. 
Anyway, it seems to not matter. The CBS execs love the idea. They say they would love to do the show. Everyone's very excited. They're going to get started. But Larry quickly excuses himself and just like walks out abruptly. Again, very, very strange behavior. Yeah. He has somewhere to go. But really, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, uh, we head back home. Larry walks in and Cheryl asks how it went. He says it went well and they're going to do the show. As we turn, we see Cheryl with his arms crossed. She's very oh, yeah. angry and she asks if she want, if Larry wants to know how her psychic appointment went. And Larry's like kind of doesn't want to know or he's, he's confused what's going on here. And she proceeds to tell Larry that she knows everything, yeah. that she knows that he is having an affair. Larry denies it. But she says, yes, she told me that you are having an affair with a woman with long red hair and a tattoo of a star. Which is now, let me pretty ask you spot a question. on. Yeah. Cheryl jumps directly to accusing Larry without even asking him. Like her, I know what you did, really mirrors what Larry did in the airport last week. Did she <laughs> yeah. not see how that went for him? Like she just assu- – it's not like can I ask you a question. It's I'm already taking for granted that this occurred and I'm accusing she, you of it. Well, she's really taking this psychic's uh, word with, with a high degree of credibility. I, I mean I, I don't get it. But like she's, yeah. ba- she's basically taking it as like, oh, I saw it on the news that you – Yeah, exactly. That you had That's a real pet peeve of mine. Um, I don't know if I've told this on a podcast or told you. Have I told you the story like with the smoking in the blue shirt? No, I don't think so. Okay, so once during um what, during the year I spent abroad after high school in Israel, uh, there was some like ninety year old lady who was like an old family friend, um who happened to like work in downtown Jerusalem. So I was off from school one afternoon, and I was in downtown Jerusalem. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna do a nice thing. I'm gonna go visit this old lady who's a family friend and say hello to her. So I went and visited her and said hello. How are you doing? And then I left. Um, and then I did whatever I need to do. And then I went home and I went on my day. So like the next time I speak to my parents, like a day or two later, they're like, "We heard what you did." And I'm like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? And like, you, we send you to, to. We're paying for you to go to this place, and now you're ditching school and you're drinking beer and you're smoking cigarettes. Like, what are you doing? And I have no idea what they're talking about. So it turns out that the lady who I had stopped by to say hello to me later that evening had walked past and seen another uh, male wearing khaki pants and a blue shirt, smoking a cigarette and drinking alcohol. And it assumed that it was me because I was wearing khaki pants and a blue shirt and no one else wears that outfit. So it must be the same person. She proceeded to call my parents and tell them that. So no good deed goes unpunished. So by doing a good deed of visiting some random old lady, I got screwed. And again, my parents did the same thing Cheryl did here. It wasn't like, hey, can we ask you a question? It's we know that you're smoking and drinking on the streets because. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's a real pet peeve of mine. And so I'm very, very anti. Even though Cheryl's technically correct here. I'm very against her accusatory nature. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the Larry-Chester uh, parallels continue. Yeah. You see, this used to happen. You and I in 10th grade had a, uh, a a teacher for half the day who was an eccentric, to put it mildly. <laughs> oh, was he? Uh, <laughs> and he would call my parents, who were in Minnesota, and I was in New York, so they didn't know what was flying, and tell them the most outlandish, absurd things. And a normal parent, even if they didn't know who this guy was, would say, well, those are highly unusual charges to make. This teacher, maybe he's you know off his rocker a little, but my parents just bought a hook, line, and sinker, and called me in to yell at me about like the most absurd things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, anyway. So. Yeah, he used to refer to me as the evil one, like <laughs> in class with regularity. Like he would like say he'd be like, Chester, don't talk to the evil one. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, it was very, very, very verbally abusive. But anyway, um, so my yes. mom once like had for parent teacher conferences, like he was like complaining about how you know I don't listen in class and I don't behave and yada yada. And she's like, well, just, you know, to play devil's advocate, he says that you refer to him as the evil one. And he's like, I never said he's the evil one. I just say he does evil things. 
I don't know if that's so true. Yeah, I don't think I did anything that evil. I mean, I wasn't like so well behaved, but you know. Yeah. I don't think I was evil. No, I remember him calling you the evil one. Yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he referred to me as, not by name. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> he was a crazy person. Yeah. Um, anyway. So imagine if your parents just don't even give that devil's advocate position, but just always yell at you and blame you for everything he says. Like. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you could call my parents right now and tell them that I'm like secretly like you know gun running and smuggling the money to like Donald Trump, and they wouldn't even call to ask if it's true. They yell, they call me, and start yelling at me for supporting Trump. There's um, nothing bad about their children; they won't believe. Yeah, you need to you need to establish better trust with your parents. <laughs> they shouldn't believe all these bad things about you. Yeah, um, yeah, they should say, "Cast Aaron, my son Alex, who could not like him." Yeah. He's a wonderful boy. He's a wonderful boy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Helen Seinfeld showed up on Elf. That was fun. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I mean, I didn't see the episode, but I heard about another podcast where they recapped it. Yeah, I watched it. It was funny. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, forgot. I didn't know she was on the show. Anyway, um, so Larry insists that he's never touched another woman, which is technically true. I, w- I was wondering if he like, was like, choosing his words very carefully. Um, and that this, these uh, allegations of an affair are completely not true. Cheryl wonders why she would make up a story like that. Maybe because she's a psychic, and does, that's what she does. She tells things to people that they, she hopes that they'll believe. Uh, Larry says he has no idea. Maybe she's an anti-Semite. Yeah, you don't just, what Uncle Leo used to say. Yeah, you don't just overcook a hamburger. Yeah, and also, by the way, in the end of season, in the finale of season four of this show, Rich, uh, Richard Kind, who we've mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, in the audience, while watching, Larry forgets a line and I think starts to uh, do stand-up, which the yeah. audience enjoys. And he makes fun of Richard Kind, who also claims that everything is anti-Semitism. Yeah. Very, uh, very sensitive to anti-Semitism everywhere. Yeah, but Larry's doing the same thing here. Uh, well, but I he do like when, he, he when, when really. uh, Cheryl says, well, why do you think she's Korean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he doesn't really think it's anti- – she. he's just like trying to like make up excuses why this woman is wrong. He doesn't yeah, actually yeah. think she's an anti-Semite the yeah. way Richard Kind does. Anyway um, – yeah. Cheryl, uh, Cheryl doesn't think so, but Larry doesn't see why not, since there's he, he's sure there must be some Korean anti-Semites. Yeah. Um, Cheryl uh, says she's not Korean. Why do you think she's Korean? Uh, Larry assumes she was Korean because her name is Kim, yeah. which you know doesn't really check out. There's a lot of Kim is a perfectly yeah. generic Donna name. Donna Chang was a was, was a more understandable one, I think. Yeah. Kim. I mean, you're not going to trust just some woman from Long Island. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, you I, one. I use that, I use that in conversation in my home often when I disagree yeah. with my wife, because <laughs> I tell her, why am I going to trust some woman from Long Island? She doesn't think it's funny, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's funny and I'm who the joke is for. So I keep saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Larry once again assures her that he has never touched another woman and he isn't having an affair. Cheryl speculates, but, well, if you are having an affair, you would probably lie about it, which Larry agrees is probably true, and then argues that the fact that I would admit that to you (laughs) proves that I am a truthful person, and you should believe me, and anyway, who am I having an affair with? I can't have an affair. I'm not cool. I'm not an affair guy. Yeah. He's right about that. Yeah, and Cheryl agrees. Yeah, you wouldn't be very good at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, affair is a lot of work. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like, once again, it's like, it's not that I wouldn't be interested in sleeping with some other fine, attractive women out there. If there was, you know, put all morals aside, I wouldn't because of the morals. But also, it just seems like a lot of work to maintain the secrecy and the double eyes. And like, where am I fit? I have like three hours in the middle of my day to go (laughs) abscond with someone to a hotel somewhere. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, Um, I, I have stuff going on. Yeah, Those, I, I don't, don't know have that much going on, but yeah, well, I have <laughs> enough stuff that I want to do going on, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, there's. I don't have time for it. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, Cheryl's still just, like, a little bummed out, even though I guess she now believes Larry, but, like, I guess she just still feels, like, a little sad about the whole thing. Um, but Larry says, come on, we should still go out, we'll have a good time, we'll be a great night, let's go celebrate the CBS deal. Now that, it looks like it's actually a done deal, now that we had the meeting. Which makes yeah. a lot more sense than preparing to do it before you have the meeting. Well, it's a little better, but he's had one meeting, a one positive meeting with every network. Yeah. I guess I, the HBO one was never positive. But. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a meeting where they basically said, we're going to do the show. Let's start casting. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty good yeah. step forward. That's worth celebrating. Yeah. So we pull up at the W Hotel. They emerge from a limo, and the driver explains that he's going to wait for them in the car. Larry's confused why Cheryl got a limo. Why couldn't we just get like a regular town car? Stretch limo, no less. Yeah, stretch limo. I don't know why they couldn't just drive, but anyway. Well, I think because they want to drink. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Although they're staying at the hotel, so they could drink and park. Yeah, but they overnight. said maybe, but like if they're staying at the hotel, why is the limo driver waiting for them? Yeah, a lot of this yeah. just didn't make sense. Like if he's if yeah. they're staying there that night, he should go home. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. Lot of gaps in the logic. Um, yeah. Anyway, they, uh, they walk in. They're greeted by Rick from the other day, and Larry makes like a point to say like a nice big hello. But Rick is, like, very unfriendly in his response, and he says, I'll, I'll to tell To Larry, but yeah. he's very nice yeah, to Yeah, he's Cheryl. very nice to Cheryl, but he's very uh, cool to uh, Larry, and he says he'll seat them. Yeah. Um, they sit down. Larry remarks that's a little chilly in the restaurant. Richard now, hold on. Go- I have a question yeah. about Rick's motivations because, you know, over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to see that Rick sort of had it out for Larry. But if that was the case, like, what was Rick's backup option if Larry didn't attempt to do what, what he, you know, he alleges that Larry attempted to do? Because that was, like, a highly surprising and unusual thing. But I he think... was, like, very quick on it. So, like, because so, he's so nice. Like, he, he could have, like, he could have spit in his food or not give him a table. But, no, he's over the top nice until the moment when he goes to the opposite extreme. And I just, like, what was – did Rick not have a plan or, or was there no mens rea here? Was, you know? I think he just, like, is being kind of, like, snippy with Larry overall. And then when he sees an opportunity to kind of dick him over, he takes it. Well, the opportunity to dick him over is to not, not give him a table. I, mean, I guess. I feel like that, like he, he would like lose his job if he didn't see Larry David and Larry would go to the owner or something or make a scene. And, and yeah. But like once he has like – As opposed to being accused of stealing for the – Yeah, yeah well, like, obviously yeah. it's a bit ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. but you know, once he has like – he feels like he has the, uh, yeah. the, the power over the situation, he takes advantage of it. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Rick Crane. <laughs> no, Rick's not great. Um so, uh, yeah, Larry mentions that's a little chilly, and Rick, uh, Connie's like, yeah, it is chilly, and he walks away. <laughs> this is not a way to behave if you're the maitre d' of a restaurant that's presumably yeah. very expensive. Um, Larry points out to Cheryl that Rick is snubbing him. Um, he continues to be annoyed um, at the expectation that Cheryl thinks also that, like, he should, uh, you know, stop and make conversations with people. Why is this something that now it's leading to bad things in my life just because I don't like talking to random people on the street? Like, I don't like it. Um, then Larry starts to wonder, are we really going to make the driver sit there for so long and wait for us for hours? Cheryl says, yeah, that's his job. That's what he gets paid for. Larry feels bad. He's uncomfortable. He's, Cheryl wonders, you know, you drove a limo. Didn't you have to do this? And he's like, yeah, I, I hated it. So that's why Larry feels bad. Yeah. Larry um, is a, a champion of the of the working man. He sure is. Um, but I love in this episode not only how he says working man as if it's one word, but if you watch this episode with the captions on, the captions say working man as one word. Working man. He's a working man. Yeah, he's a working man like Superman. Yeah, Superman. exactly. So it's very funny how sort of Larry is like, you know, really adopts this this term. And, and I guess like uh, like stop and chat in many of his other terms. He just yeah. universal, univer, universalizes something that may be more particular to him. Yeah. Um, so we fast forward a little bit and we see they're eating their food. Cheryl says that this is her favorite restaurant, especially the shrimp. Have shrimp. It's good. 
Yeah. Larry agrees, but he laments that, like, you know, we shouldn't have really gotten the same thing. It's kind of a shame. Cheryl says it's not, it doesn't really make a difference because I wouldn't have shared my food with you anyway if we had gotten different things, which is not <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. No, and I, I'm a huge, huge believer in, in the same policy. Like, Larry's at fault here. If he hates ordering the same thing, why did he do it? Like, I would never allow that. When I go to a restaurant, I always make sure to be the last one at the table to order so that I can hear what everyone else is ordering, and then I order something different. And I always have, like, two or three options in mind because, like, my goal – I mean, unless it's, unless it's, like, some place I go to every single week. But if it's a place that I haven't been to before or I haven't been to many times, I want to experience as many different possible items as possible. I may not eat them, but I can see them. I can see how they're prepared. I can ask people if they like them. So I agree with Larry. I just don't – like, he's the one who chose to order the same thing as her. Right. So. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's obviously you both. That's what you both wanted. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I although guess, my, I, that's not so what my, we would my youngest do. brother is a troll. When I'm at restaurants with him, he will suss out what I want and then order it himself. And he's even gone to the length of after we've done our orders at the table, he then says, "Oh, I'll have what he's having." So then I switch again, and then he goes to the waiter away from the table to to get what I'm getting, just to annoy me because he knows <laughs> that I hate when two, I hate when two people at the table get the same thing. Uh, wow, that's a lot of trouble to, just to annoy you. Yeah, well, that's what younger brothers do. I guess. Um, so um, Larry's still fixated on the limo driver. He wonders, maybe we should buy dinner for him. Cheryl says, no, it's too late for that. What are you talking about? That's crazy. Uh, so he says, well, maybe we can give some of our leftovers to him. Anyways, I feel full. How about you? And Cheryl gets kind of guilted into saying, okay, fine. He could have my leftovers too. Yeah. So now, Larry. You know, Larry's concern for the working man is meritorious. And also quite a reverse of the attitude in Seinfeld, by the way. But giving a stranger your leftovers is gross. Um, yeah, it, it's it, his heart's in the right place, but he doesn't really yeah. go about it in the best way. A food that you've chewed and used up, and he's like, "Well, I didn't really touch the rice so much, and I didn't eat that." Uh, I don't know that you can't give someone food that you know you you ate. Yeah, I suppose not. He's not a dog. Um, <laughs> he's not. He's not a dog. Um, so Larry goes outside. He brings him the food. The driver at first doesn't like that. It's leftovers. Then he's like, all right. Oh, I the guess. driver's a complete asshole about it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you just said that this isn't – like what he's giving him isn't good. So well, he's but, not but, – But the driver's attitude is still obnoxious. Yeah, he should still like, say where's thank Where's the fork? How supposed to eat it? Like, yeah, he should still just say thank you. And then if he's not into it, just whatever. Leave it on the seat. Yeah, um, yeah he complains. He First he says, oh, it's leftovers. Then he's like, okay, fine. But then he says there's no fork or napkin. I mean napkin is ridiculous. Like you don't need a napkin. If he brought you a fork, that's amazing. Yeah. You should probably have you should probably have in the back of your limo, like you know, a roll of paper towels or something. Yeah. So Larry says, "Okay, give me a minute." He heads back in. He grabs a fork and a napkin from another table. He puts it in his pocket. As he's walking out, Rick confronts him to say hi. Larry says, "Oh, the food was sensational." Rick says, "Oh, can I ask you what's in your pocket?" Larry first shows him a pen in one pocket, and then Rick calls him on it and says, "No, the other pocket." And he takes out and reveals a fork and a napkin in his pocket. And Rick quickly escalates to accusing Larry of stealing silverware. Larry yeah. clarifies, "No, I'm you know I'm just trying to borrow it. I want to give it to the driver so that he can eat. I'm going to bring it right back." But Rick says, "But he does a very bad job explaining it." Yeah, as, as we've seen a number of times, right? Yeah, you know, and I, this is also a corollary of your thing that he always unnecessarily lies when just tell the truth. He won't get in trouble. He kind of does that here. When Rick says, "What's in your pocket?" He fakes the other pocket. Says, "I don't know a pen." Like, like. He, as if he's trying to hide something, right? Which I think sort of makes him look a little more guilty. Now I think Rick knows that he hasn't done anything wrong, and Rick is just out. Yeah, to get Rick's him. just out to get him. Yeah, but if he would have presented this in a different way, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm taking this out to you know I, why do you even put it in his pocket?" Is a better question. Yeah, I mean, I guess he. I mean, he knew that like he can't just like literally walk out holding a fork. Right. Somebody, well, somebody I, might I mean, be I, like, what I, I would normally, I would go to the restaurant, I'd go to the maitre d' and say, "Hey, can I get a fork and a, you know, I don't know." 
Yeah. They also have they have plastic. They have takeout, obviously, options available. Yeah, I mean, right. The, they shouldn't really care that he, yes. what he's doing here. Yeah, um, it's what's yeah, it's what's the value? A five dollar fork, even if it's yeah, the idea fork. that yeah, the idea you can get in trouble for stealing for carrying a fork around at a restaurant. And by the way, he hasn't even taken it out of right, the restaurant. He's just in the restaurant. Attempted, attempted. It's in his pocket. Yes, it's attempted theft of a five dollar fork. Yeah, and, a, and, and how someone like Larry theft. would not have a lawyer who could take care of this for him is completely bonkers. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, there's, no, there's no sentencing in, for this. Yeah, the, the, the chance of, yes, the chance of Larry having to go to court is completely impossible. Yeah, this is a, this is a crime. Yes. No, that no amount of money can... <laughs> anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so um, Larry says, okay, I understand what's going on. You're upset about the other day. Bitch says, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Larry tries to say, no, I'm just bad at small talk. Rick says, no, I'm calling the police. <laughs> So the police arrive, and they explain that Larry will be appearing in court on a certain date before Judge Katz. And they, you know, Cheryl and Larry, Cheryl and Larry walk out, and they realize, oh my god, we forgot about the driver. He's been sitting here this whole time. He was waiting for me to bring him a fork for his food, and he's been out of luck. He's just sitting there waiting. Food is probably cold by now. He's having a terrible <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, another complaint. Um, so... Um... They get to the driver. They're very apologetic. They explain what happened. All of a sudden, Cheryl sees Jeff and the masseuse exiting the hotel. And she notes the long red hair. She gets a little suspicious. She walks over, says, excuse me, miss. Do you by any chance have a star tattoo? And she says, as a matter of fact, I do. And she looks over and she says, oh, hi, Larry. And Cheryl realizes that Larry knows this woman. And Larry has that look on his face that says, I am screwed. So we're in court, and Judge Katz announces the case against Larry and gives Larry a chance to speak for himself before sentencing. Which obviously, he's guilty. We've established that he's guilty. Yes. We're moving straight to sentencing. You're obviously guilty of a very serious crime. Yeah. Uh, Larry begins by saying Shabbat Shalom. Yes. Um, you know, Judge you know, Katz. Appeal to Judge Katz. Which I Jewishness. think is the same name as the, as the obviously Jewish lawyer in season seven or whatever season that is. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. I thought he was cats. By the way, I always used to think that lawyer had a vague resemblance to you. I mean, it's just the curly hair, I guess. But Oh, okay. I'll have to look at that. Maybe he does. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I was looking at me when I watched the episode. Yeah. I no, I mean, honestly, it was just that the guy had curly Jew hair and yeah. he's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's enough. Um, he, uh, Larry explains the situation of what was happening. He was trying to help a working classman. And... <laughs> You know, he, the Rick, Rick, the maitre d', he just had animus against me because of the stop and chat situation for the previous yeah. day. And the judge is not. By the way, can I say, last week I complained that Larry's red jacket is too big. The white one he wears in this court scene is absurd. <laughs> yeah, so the, yeah, the, he certainly uh, didn't dress to impress this judge because he's not yes. buying any of it. Yeah. Uh, he thinks Larry is your typical celebrity who thinks he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, without any consequences. And he says, you know, I really can't just find you because that's not going to do the trick. That's not going to teach you a lesson. You have too much money for anything like that to, ma- to matter. Larry then makes what I think is a very reasonable compromise that he's yeah. going to well, do. Well, he says, what kind of punishment should I give you? Yeah. Judge Katz asks Larry. Right. And he says, OK, maybe I could do some sort of like community service. Like I'll go to the temple on Saturdays and help people uh, with the yarmulkes and the talises, yeah. which are uh, various religious garb for those of our uh, Gentile listeners. Uh, the judge is flabbergasted at this, saying you shouldn't go to temple as a punishment. Going to temple is a joy. Um, I remember when I was a counselor in uh, Camp Morasha, 
So whenever we we would have like kids who were like bad and not behaving for like long periods of time as a punishment, they would send them to Mora Shakolel, which was like the <laughs> go the, learn Torah. Yeah, the version of the camp where they just like learn Torah all day. Yeah. And we always would remark how it's like the messaging around that was like very con- inconsistent with what like a Orthodox camp was generally trying. Yeah. Well, it's to, like they always uh, say like you, you don't send your kids like don't send your kids to bed as a punishment because they shouldn't identify bed as a punishment. It's you know a necessary thing. Oh, I never heard that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I, I still do it. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you follow all the things that you're not allowed to use as a punishment, you're not allowed to do anything to your kids anymore. So it's yeah. like they just can do whatever they want. It's very yeah, unfair. <laughs> Larry explains that while going to temple can be joyful, it can also be quite grueling, uh, which I agree with. <laughs> the after party of temple is, is pretty good. The, the reception. Temp- the temple part of temple is not as good. Well, you haven't had it go in like three months. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been nice. <laughs> um, now, I, I assume in your neighborhood they're now doing like where you can do outdoor uh, smaller groups. Yeah, I actually guys. I actually went to one because my uh, – Oh, really? My, yeah, okay. my, my nephew is uh, becoming bar mitzvah next month. So he oh, he had like the first time he put on tefillin and like we all went and – um, yeah, we I, all. I mean, hopefully fewer than like twenty or whatever the restrictions are. Yeah, we had exactly ten people, uh, very uh, spread out in a backyard. It was yeah. uh, it was very kosher in all regards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but like so, people. I mean, people for whom it's important are making tremendous efforts to 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 gather for prayer, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But like, it, it's sort of interesting to me, like the assumption that certain people are going to like jump through these tremendous hoops is like you know like. <laughs> When there was all the perks associated, people weren't showing up. So now that you've stripped all the perks, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's it's a what they've created is a version of shul that I'm not remotely interested in. So yeah, I'm although gonna... there are some perks. For example, there's no more rabbi speeches. Right. Yeah. In, instead, I've been going to like a small kiddish get together. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time as shul, or a little bit after, yeah. with like yeah. uh, you know five or six friends. Um, you know, we just put... so I, I yeah I went to a kiddish last Saturday morning. Um, I was actually I was debating with my with my wife should I go uh, you know to this backyard service and she said to me uh, she says listen you know in a month and a half we're having a, another baby and your days of of sleeping in ever are going to be gone for a while so if you can manage to sleep in on the Saturday while our kids play with each other I think you should do it so I got out of bed at like eleven on Saturday and proceeded over to a a, a small sort of outdoor uh, small social gathering like you were just referencing. And I was thinking, like, I feel guilty that I wake up, don't go to services, go straight here. And so the first couple of people that I saw, I said, oh, did, did you go to services today? Like, which one did you go to? Because everybody's going to different people's backyards. And they're like, no, <laughs> I just woke up. <laughs> so I felt better about myself. Yeah. Uh, the people know what they want. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the judge says that he is going to give Larry a sentence that ensures that Larry will never do anything like this again. And we cut to a shot of Larry walking up and down the street in front of the W Hotel where he had stolen the silverware. And like the man we saw earlier in the episode, he is wearing a sandwich board that says in large letters, I steal forks from restaurants. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, but it's at this very moment that we see all of Larry's enemies past and present from the course of the season all arrive one by one at the hotel to dine in this very restaurant on this yes. very night. There's the network symposium tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have Alan Wasserman and Michael Halbreich from HBO. Larry have justifiable reasons to be mad at Larry. Yes. Uh, Larry says he didn't beat his wife. And he asks Larry if he enjoyed the shrimp. Um, next, we see Lane Michelson for ABC. Larry tells him it was a water bottle in my pants. Yeah. And then he says, here's a question for who wants to be a millionaire. What idiot runs ABC? <laughs> And finally, last but not least, the CBS execs from the other day who had just agreed to do a show with Larry 
And he protests and he explains the long story. I was trying to help a driver, a working man, so he wouldn't have to eat with his hands. Miss CBS Bigwig. And yeah, because they mutter as they walk past, like, you know, what a loser. You know, I'm so glad we're not working with him. And it's very confusing to me. Like, you know, I understand why the HBO guys and the ABC guys are mad at Larry. But why are the CBS guys so upset that they want to cancel the deal? Like, last time we, they saw Larry, they were excited about it. So even if they think that Larry pilfered a fork, they no longer want to be in business with him for that? Well, it's I mean, I'm bit... sure that they have much bigger criminals that they're doing deals with. Yeah, I mean, but this is, like, very embarrassing. I mean, what? The, so they, they, therefore, the writer of a show does. I mean, who cares? No, I agree. It's just like he's like he, he comes off as extremely pathetic in this. Oh, for sure. But 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 they actually say you hear them muttering like that. The deal's off now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's yeah, that's a bit too far. But I guess yeah, yeah, they just don't want to be in business with him. Yeah, I mean, they want Julia, don't they? You would think. Yeah. You would think. But you know, if Larry David has to come along too, a lot of people <laughs> seem to uh, just not want to yeah. get in on that. Yeah. So the episode ends. Larry uh, did yeah. not make a show with Jason or our, with, with uh, yeah. Jordan. And our season comes to an end. I, I, yeah, I was going to say the only person who like we didn't see at that very end montage was Jason. Or like, yeah. it would be nice. It would be nice if Jason and Julia were out to, went out to dinner. Also, yeah. or maybe Jason's like the guest speaker at the at the network symposium, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> would have been nice to see him. Symposium. Yeah, and yeah. then Jeff would come in with a masseuse. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. How do you rank this episode? I think this is this is definitely a step down from some of the the better episodes. This is like kind of in the category of Larry really doesn't do anything wrong and like everyone acts super crazy to Larry and those are usually the episodes that I don't like the most. Um, but this still has some memorable moments and some good lines. So I'm going to give it like a right down the middle three pretty goods. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I'm very close to I'm going to give it uh, two and a half. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, I actually, so I've been ranking all the episodes also, and I slotted this one right behind Beloved Ant, or Beloved Aunt, um, which I retroactively raised from two to two and a half because I can't have a two and a half star episode, obviously, behind a two, uh, pretty good episode. But, um, so yeah, I have this one two and a half, so it's definitely worse than the last couple we've seen. Overall, of the 20 episodes that we have so far, I have it uh, 13th, so a little bit below average. Right in the meaty part of the curve. Yes, exactly, right where you want to be. Uh, who is and by the way, so for the first twenty episodes, that means we have for those counting at home, we have two five star episodes, two four and a half star episodes, two four star episodes, three three and a half star episodes. By star, of course, I mean pretty. Uh, one three star episode, three two and a half star episodes, including this one. Four two star episodes, two one and a half star episodes, and one uh, one star episode. And may we never have another again. Yeah, I hope not. All right, so that seems like and a by pretty the way, honestly even like the least good episode in at least according to our rankings, which was affirmative action. Is not like bad at all. I think it's better than the worst episodes of like Seinfeld, for example. Yeah, and probably better than some of the later season episodes that are really not good. Of Curb, of Curb, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see about that. Yeah, I guess. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I think that sounds like a pretty uh, normal, even distribution. So I feel like we're doing a good job with our ranking. Yep. All right, who is your come with guy of? Um, so I didn't have an obvious standout here, so I think I'm going to go back into the controversy well again, and I think it's a fitting come with guy for the end, for the season two finale, and I'm going to go back to Larry, uh, because I think, as we said, this is another episode where he's, his heart at least is really in the right place throughout this episode. Like he's, like he gets thrown into this massage thing, he didn't really know what it was, he tries to like do the right thing, and then like, I don't know, whatever, he tries, you know, he just 
puts himself in a bad situation, but his heart's in the right place. He wants to help the limo driver. He just, you know, he just he seems to find himself in trouble, but he's trying to do the right thing. And I think, uh, you know, too often Larry David is labeled as an asshole, and sometimes he just has bad social skills. Yeah, um, you have uh, shy asshole confusion. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not. Even though I did do it last episode, and now this is the third time that one of us has done it, I'm not a big fan of of making Larry the uh, come with guy. I'm not a fan even of it either. I, I didn't yeah. enjoy doing it. No, but yeah, but there is nobody. Uh, this is going to hurt uh, me more than it hurts you. That kind of thing. There's really nobody here. I, I guess I'll give it to Mike Binder. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, it's good to see another client for Jeff. Um, and Mike seems like a very affable fellow. Like he rejects Larry's attempt to be affable. Right when Larry first comes in, he's like, oh, no need. And then um, he's up for the happy ending. Yeah, we, we know, Definitely. We know he's up for a good time. <laughs> yeah. So, he, yeah, he will come with and, uh, you know, do just about anything it looks yeah, like. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. Mike Binder with, uh, like, the, the least amount of effort ever for someone to get this award, I think. Yeah. Um, and we'll never see him again. I don't yeah. Know. And everyone is just so mean to Larry in this episode. He doesn't do anything wrong. He just he gets, gets vilified by everyone. Yeah. Well, Mike Well, Mike is nice to him, so that's why he's Mike coming. Mike is the only one that's nice. That's true. Yeah. Who is the worst person? I think that's got to be Rick. Yeah. Uh, sure. Rick takes what is a basically nothing burger of a social faux pas. Like, at yeah. most, he should, like, walk by, like, oh, I guess that a was a guy little you rude. barely know yeah. doesn't stop and chat. He didn't do people. anything wrong to you. So, accuse and, me of <laughs> And even if he did, like, you're in a professional setting. Like, you shouldn't be treating a customer like that who, you know, if he really did something really bad, fine. But, like, come on. Yeah. So he just wasn't nice to you on the street. Uh, so yeah, he's he's uh, and he, I mean, he takes it to a ridiculous situation. He calls the cops over a fork. Come on. Yeah, but neighbor Dean from season one is still. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think we're ever yeah. going to top neighbor, neighbor neighbor Dean. Neighbor Dean is really crazy. Yeah. Maybe we will. I know some crazy people on this show. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we just we said already, Mike Binder uh, plays himself and. So right now, we said the least famous person to play themselves was Wanda Sykes. So I think Mike Binder takes over that role. Yeah, Mike Binder is definitely less famous. Although yeah. maybe I don't know, was Wanda Sykes famous at this time? Like I think I don't, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I know her other than from point. Curb. Yeah. So w- Wanda, like we know Wanda now in 2020, but you have to put them where they were at the time. And Wanda was some stand-up, I think. Who, what, what, what were her other credits at this point? Whereas Mike Binder is the star of a show on HBO. Right. I mean, I don't, I never heard of him. And I still hadn't heard of him. But he he might be more famous than her if he has his own show. I don't. Yeah. Think she right, had her so own let, show. let's let's go and the career of Wanda Sykes and what was she doing. Um, through 2002, right? So, all right, she'd been on Def Comedy Jam. Um, she opened for Chris Rock at a comedy show. So she's just doing stand-up. She joined the writing team of the Chris Rock show. Um, and uh, she was on. She was in Pootie Tang, which was a movie that uh, the person who made it, uh, which, of course, is Louis C.K., like, stepped far away from it. And then Curb Enthusiasm is the next thing she did. So, And then she got her own show in 2003, a year later. But yeah. I think you're right. Actually, I think at the time, Wanda Sykes was less famous than... Although, even if you're like a, not a major comedian, comedians are still known by their name, right? Like a comedian, when they're introduced, it's always their name. Whereas if you're an actor who's just a that guy, which I guess is what Mike Binder is, people might recognize his face. Oh, he's on that show on HBO. But they wouldn't know his name. Yeah, and this was not like a successful show, from what I recall. Like, was he... like What, what, role, what number was he in terms of the, uh, the order... Of the people in the show, oh, I think it. I think he, it was his show. I think he oh, was he the co- main. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I he, think he's uh, the main guy. Yeah, he created by and starring. Yeah. Oh no, this is not. No, this is not the uh, the show I was thinking with David Duchovny. Um, you think of Californication? Maybe that's on Showtime. Show. Yeah. Um, okay, so over two. Yeah, so this. Uh, yeah, this is all Mike Binder. He's directing. He's writing. and He's starring in it. 
you know what? I'm going to say Mike Binder uh, has a bigger Q rating than Wanda Sykes does in 2002. 2002. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, the Mighty on, Have Fallen. It was on for two Binder. seasons. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it wasn't a very successful show. Yeah, Mike Binder. Uh, since then, he he directed a couple episodes of Nashville. Hmm. He hasn't acted since 2011, actually, where he was uncredited in uh, as an agent in some in a film called One Day. So yeah, so he's uh, he's more on the directing side, I guess, these days. But uh, good for Mike Binder. He uh, gets a, a Come With Guy award in Curb. Yeah, that might be the highlight of his career. We should put that on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, someone should do that. Please do that. Uh, should we go to, to The Postman? We should see what The Postman has for us. Yeah. Maybe he wants to tell the neighborhood something. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! We have two emails today from The Postman. First comes in courtesy of Zach Brooks. He says, I watched this episode with my mom, and the massage scene was very awkward. Yeah, I would think so. How does Larry not know what finish you off means? Lots of shrimp this season. Kind of underwhelming finale, though. That punishment made no sense. 3.5 pretties. And then we end the season off with Olin Allen. He says, And by the way, Tim Hutchinson, come back. You had some good emails. Yeah, I mean, maybe he just wanted to go out on Worst person is Tim Hutchinson for uh, uh, giving (laughs) us an excellent email, what, two weeks in a row, and then dropping off the face of the earth. Yeah, he was the the best. He was the come with guy for a couple weeks, and now he's been the worst person the last two weeks. So, yeah, come on. Come back, Tim Hutchinson. Tell the neighborhood. Um, so Owen writes, congratulations on winding down on another season of Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. There definitely was the problematic scene that Chester was pointing out last week, although Larry wasn't crazy enough to truly force it. To open up a whole other can of worms reminded me of this scene from Breaking Bad very early on that started me totally going against Walter White. I don't remember that. Walter White. I know it's something to do with I, he he referenced earlier in the week he said he had something about Skylar White and Walter White that it was reminded of this episode, but I Oh, the hand job scene. I know what he's talking about. It's like in the pilot, it's his birthday and he, he gives her like a very sad she gives him oh, a very yeah, 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 like yeah, a yeah, very yeah, sad yeah. hand job okay. for his birthday. Yeah. Got it. That, okay. I mean it it was your birthday three days ago. It's my birthday in two days. That's a sad birthday present. <laughs> yeah, I I've my birthday present this year was that I went to work. I said, I want to go to the office and not be yeah. bothered, and I got it. That was my birthday present. It was great. There was very few children in my office. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Olin continues, apart from that, being a psychic skeptic, I feel that a psychic must go to extreme lengths to keep her reputation. She seems to have enough time in her appointments to do private detective work. Yeah, exactly. I also feel she must have worked some magnets on the ball and a hole for Larry to get the hole in one. Yeah, she, yeah this psychic is probably pulling some scam because she's way too good. Um, like the Jeff, like Jeff rightly lets his money machine Larry just walk into other meetings and he seemed more of the lively, vivacious Jeff that I grew to love that Mike has some stamina to last at least a thousand pumps. Yeah, we liked Mike. Some of the final scenes at the restaurant dragged out a bit. The ending for the season was nice, but not as hard hitting as the group or as well wrapped up as later seasons. Also, I presume is a slight parody when they continually say what an amazing idea for a sitcom Larry's idea is, since it is in some ways it's just the basis of Curb itself. Yeah, that's not a bad call. Although Larry wasn't as famous as either uh, Julia or Jason, but yeah, yeah. that is uh, that wonder, is a good call. Did we miss something very meta about the whole season plot that um, Owen's pointing out now? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if that's what he's saying, I never thought of it that way. Um, I mean, certainly we will see uh, future seasons. Season four, famously, of course, uh, is is very famous with with uh, or very self referential. Yes, with the whole uh, and then season um, the Seinfeld reunion is season seven, I think. Right, sounds right. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's a good thought. Um, I don't know if it's 100% right, but it's uh, definitely a good idea. Question for Larry. Yeah, we'll save that for when we do the eventual. We'll, uh, put it on a spreadsheet for the Larry interview. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen puts his come with guy girl as Cheryl. She was a good one here, managed to oversee some of Larry's initial missteps and believed his man, even seeing the masseuse lady, until Larry gave away his own guilt. Um, yeah, she also plans the fun night. So, yeah, not a, not a terrible one for Cheryl. Um, villain of the Week, the, the restaurant maitre d', yeah, this is unanimous. Yeah. Having okay. uh, got a very decent salutation, but getting hissy about not having a stop and talk. Gives the episode ranking three pretties out of five. Seasons a general step up for the private year. Higher highs and higher lows. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Owen's uh, really uh, on simpatico with us today. Yeah, Owen, uh, Owen's on his game. All right, so off. So we've wrapped up season two. And next week, we jump into season three with Chet's shirt. Uh, by the way, Chet, of the many nicknames and diminutions of, and various forms of my name I've been called, I don't think I've ever been called Chet by people. Not All right. True. I can think of one person who called me Chet occasionally. Yeah, so season three, Larry is going to get into a venture with Ted Danson and Michael York to open a restaurant. Yeah. He's also going to be cast in a Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah, this is going to be like our first season that has like a real... I guess no, that's not true. This had a had a, a, a I, but I feel like the restaurant even is like more of like a week to week storyline than this one was. Um, but maybe I'm remembering yeah. wrong. We're going yeah. to get to know the Browdies in season three. Stu and Susan, he's yeah. you know he's pl- he's played by the uh, the next door neighbor in that '70s show. Oh, I don't I don't really like that '70s show. So I don't remember it that very well. Okay, well you'll recognize this actor as soon as I you look see forward. Him. The Browdies. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun chat. Yeah, season season one was good. Season two was better, and hopefully season three as well will be. Pretty, 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 pretty good.